Welcome to Redressing Weddings. I'm Ilya Parkins. In our first episode, we looked at the question of wedding clothing and visibility for queer and trans people. Moving on from there to a particularly visible and iconic garment, we spoke to various queer and trans folks who were planning weddings about their suits. We heard from trans men, non-binary folks, and cisgender women. Finding suiting that works is really tricky for everyone assigned female at birth. And yet what we learned from folks was how powerful the suit is, and how meaningful it is for them, as hard as it might be to find the right one. Some people described what they wanted to get out of suiting for their wedding as a kind of counterpoint to their personal history with clothes. For Bess, a cis woman, getting a suit for her wedding offers her a chance to be playful and creative with clothes, after a long time not being open to doing things differently. The wedding suit helps her grow into this new creative side of herself. I grew up in the suburbs and um, it was definitely a culture of uniformity. My childhood I spent just wearing athletic clothing and you couldn't get me out of that. And, And when I would step out of that box, I would really just try and fit into what other people in my community were wearing. It's probably only in the last five years or so that I've really started to play with clothing and fashion. Um, so I'm still trying to figure out what that means in terms of my suit, because I know I won't be wearing a traditional wedding dress and I just don't wear dresses in general anymore. Um, but it's still interesting to try and navigate coming out of that uniformity box and coming into that creativity with a suit. And for some people, the wedding offers a chance to get something they've always wanted, a great suit, one that fits. Morgan, a trans man, told us about his lifelong desire for a suit. Yeah, I mean, I've I've wanted a tailored suit for a long, long time. I mean, probably since I was in high school, uh, long before I transitioned and could fit into one well. But um, so I feel like the wedding is like a good excuse to spend that kind of money on on the kind of suit that I want. The wedding is my uh, my impetus to go do that. You can really hear there how the wedding provides this golden opportunity for Morgan to get a suit. For him, a suit is something he's wanted generally, and the wedding is the opportunity to get it. Other people described a long-time vision of wearing a suit at their wedding specifically. Here's Caden, a trans man, on that vision. I always knew that I wanted to wear uh, a suit of some some kind, some kind of suit, uh, a three-piece suit, ideally. Um, yeah, that was always in the back of my head. It was like, yeah, when I get married, I'm going to wear a suit. And here's Min, a cis woman, on this long-time vision. I've always known that I would want to wear a suit if I were to get married, um, but I haven't really, because we've pushed the wedding back so many times at this point, I haven't really thought of specifically like the color or the style yet, but I just know that I want to have it to be practical. I want it to be comfortable. I, I know I think it's going to be warm in July when we're getting married, so like a nice tailored suit that like just makes me feel feel like, I don't know, feel confident, I guess is the key thing there. What Min brings up here, feeling confident, was so tied to the suit for all of the folks we talked to. It's what they want to get out of a suit, especially on this particular important day. But of course, that's trickier than it sounds for a lot of reasons. Jay provided us with an amazing breakdown of what's at play. Even though this suit was the base, the core of my outfit, and it was the earliest part of it that I knew that I wanted, uh, it was a long and difficult process to source it. I could pretty much talk endlessly about queer suiting like it's super niche but it's also super fascinating and I'm really passionate about it but basically to summarize like here's what some of that world involves it's extremely challenging for people who are not cisgender men to buy suits 
like we know that the fashion industry and any mass produced clothing that you buy online or off the rack in a store has long had a huge problem with restrictive, arbitrary, exclusionist sizing. Uh, I mean, they don't even actually design to the idea of like a real average median body tape type. They really dictate what bodies supposedly should look like. So essentially, just mass-produced clothing fits no one properly, and that includes ready-to-wear suits. So cis men are not completely exempt from obstacles when they're suit shopping, but compared to non-cis men, uh, like it's basically true that if you are a cis man wanting to purchase a decent suit and you've got like even a modest budget to fund it, you can absolutely dependably get yourself a suit. That just simply isn't true for trans men, non-binary people, fluid and gender non-conforming people, even cisgender queer women who just aren't looking for traditionally feminine women's suiting, which is already very different from traditional men's suiting. Jay's getting at the question of fit here, and this was something we heard from lots of people. Min was thinking a lot about how to get a suit that fit. I don't for sure have like a very feminine figure, but I have like disproportioned, what I feel is disproportioned body parts, uh, which can make it difficult to find things like suits, like even pants, which I buy now for non-wedding uh, purposes. Like the, the male crotch area for pants is like really weird. And when you, a woman wears it, it just like looks weird. So I have a hard time finding like pants. And I have also a bit larger arms, so I feel like it might be hard finding a suit. Of course, Min is thinking about the ways this garment that's associated with masculinity will fit on her body. We also heard about how fit is a slightly different kind of issue for trans men. Morgan talked about it a lot. Oh yeah, I mean, I've spent my whole life in clothes that don't really fit, and rolling up pants and cutting off jeans and trying to learn how to hem my own pants and shirts that don't fit. I have to roll up the sleeves. I can never find a shirt that just fits me in the arm so it's uh it'll be really nice to have something fitted to me that fits me that makes me look like an adult human and not a child playing dress up and Caden talked about how important fit is in affirming his masculinity and how suits haven't fit until now with his wedding suit most of them were you know like stereotypical like not that clothes are gendered but you know you know like kind of feminine cut or like women's cut suits where they're you know kind of like taken in at the waist you know meant to sort of accentuate your chest uh, and your hips you know which is like an absolute like that my idea of a nightmare um yeah or i just say for uh situations where i was required to wear smarter clothes be it you know a suit or, or what have you i always i always kind of put off buying clothes until the very last minute because i knew that i wasn't going to enjoy shopping for the clothes not that i could necessarily put like a reason to that i now realize that it was uh dysphoria so yes yeah, so i would always wait until the very like last possible minute like you know a few days before we had to travel or or whatever uh to buy things and it was never it was never the right fit or it wasn't a particularly nice fabric or you know i couldn't justify spending the extra money on this thing that might have been nicer because i knew regardless i'm not going to enjoy wearing this so what's the point in, you know, spending money on something that I'm probably only going to wear this once? Whereas uh, my suit that I got, I'm going to wear this every, ch- like every chance I get. What's so clear is that when folks are talking about suits that fit, especially trans- transmasculine and non-binary people, this isn't just about the literal fit of the suit on their body. This is about fitting in as well. 
A suit that fits means feeling comfortable and confident in their self-presentation and being seen to fit in the world as who they are. What Morgan and Caden described was about how the feeling of the suit fitting on their body translated into feeling accepted and legitimate. These are feelings that are important on the day of the wedding, for sure. You want to feel good. But this feeling of fitting in through the fit of the suit is something that might also be taken forward beyond the wedding. The other thing that came up were some barriers to actually feeling comfortable buying the suit or getting it made. Jay broke it down for us. Our options as queer people are so restricted when trying to buy a suit just due to so many factors. I mean, typically you can't just walk into an average suiting shop either because you will encounter judgmental looks or confrontation or even hostility, or you just aren't sure whether you will or not. And it kind of creates this huge anxiety and discomfort that's just difficult to overcome. And even if you do manage to buy a ready-to-wear suit, it isn't really ready for you to wear. Uh, Like Most likely, it will require tailoring, and then you run into the same issue of needing to carefully vet tailor shops and figure out who's queer-friendly that you can, you know, trust with your body. So that means basically the entire world of off-the-rack suiting is just closed off to us. Made-to-measure suits and higher-end custom suiting are fantastic options, but, you know, it puts you in automatically in a higher price bracket. So suits, which are generally considered non-essential wear to begin with, unless you require them for work, they're already a luxury garment with a higher price tag. So... If you are forced to go for custom suiting made specifically for you, that's even more expensive. There are a handful of really incredible pioneering queer-owned custom suiting brands out there who make a lot of gorgeous suiting for queer and trans people that center this community of people. And I've always been a huge fan of them. I've followed most of the ones that I know about for years, like since I was in college. But the reality there is that Both queer suiting customers and queer suiting entrepreneurs are fighting so many obstacles. Like the struggle is on both ends, really. Um, They just typically don't have the resources that mainstream corporations and other brands that don't cater to trans and queer people are more more able to access easily. And most of these queer brands are based in major metros like New York and LA, uh, which makes sense. But tons of queer folk don't live in New York or LA. They're like a whole plane ticket away from these places that are meant for them. So it's not from lack of interest on either end, but just both customers and entrepreneurs want as many people as possible to have these suits. It's just tough. And I'm from California and I have a lot of ties to New York, but I've been a Midwestern, proudly Minnesotan queer for just shy of a decade now. And so far there are no queer owned, queer catering, suiting clothiers here in feasible distance from me. So That's the difficulty that we encountered. Uh, Even though we're very privileged to have had the disposable income to end up paying for custom suits, uh, doing so through one of the queer clothiers that I love, like as much as we deeply wanted to do it, it was just not doable for us. This captures two things, comfort levels in a homophobic and transphobic society, and how the risk of a really stressful and harmful suit buying process rises for people away from major metropolises you know, places where queer businesses congregate. Min is working through both of these things as she thinks about getting her wedding suit. Because we're in Alberta right now, um, I would say that the accessibility for suits for women, at least women that are present more masculine, I would say, like I do, I don't feel as comfortable going into some of these stores that are specifically marketed for, for men, for instance. When we do go in, like everybody's perfectly nice, like it's not a problem is some of it is just like my comfort levels as well. I'm trying to 
find spaces that I'm more comfortable in. So I'm, I still haven't decided where we're going to go. So we heard about some minefields for sure, but we also heard genuine excitement about what the suit can afford from designing it to wearing it. I have done some research trying to find a custom suit. Um, I've, I've looked around to see what I could maybe get tailored from a more traditional store. Um, but the colors that are available and the cuts that are available just don't quite fit what I'm looking for. Either they're not creative enough or they're not the right fabric, so they're not kind of fancy and elevated enough for a wedding, at least the wedding that I'm hoping that I'm envisioning. Yeah, I'm thinking because we're doing winter that it'll be a rich, like deep color, but I'd like to play with texture somehow. And I'm not sure how I'll do that, um, but I really am looking at going the custom suiting route. It is more expensive, but it feels like maybe that way I'll find a way to really play that isn't just fitting into something I found, you know, in the mall that I can get tailored. And Morgan told us about how he anticipates the fun of wearing the well-fitting custom suit as someone who loves clothes, loves dressing up, but doesn't get the chance to do it very often. I work in a warehouse. I spend most of my free time gardening and like farming and building chicken coops and all kinds of stuff. Like I don't, I probably wear a suit twice a year. I feel like, uh, I mean, for over a decade, I've, I've always had jobs that I'm, I'm dirty and, uh, I'm usually getting dirt under my fingernails and wearing ratty clothes and accidentally ripping holes and stuff. And that's, that's my everyday. Um, if I could, I would totally do like a dress casual on a daily basis. I, I absolutely love dressing up actually whenever we go to weddings I'm always excited because I get to pick through my extensive collection of ties and uh, tie bars and pins and cufflinks and watches and I uh, I love doing that and I I really hate that I can't do it more so I, I am very excited uh, to have a suit made. We were talking mainly with people who haven't found their wedding suits yet and we're mulling it over and making decisions. One person Caden though he hasn't had the wedding yet has found the suit already. We loved what he had to say about his suit and how much he loved just looking at it, how happy it makes him even before the wedding. I've got it in um, in my wardrobe. It's like on the right side of my wardrobe, like behind my jumpers. Um, so if I'm, you know, just like flicking through my wardrobe, like deciding what to wear, sometimes I will just go to that sort of end and just kind of look at it. And, and yeah, it always, always makes me smile. I think it's just a, it's just a nice suit. I really like the colour, you know, um, the fabric's really soft. It's got this kind of almost tweed kind of, not texture, um, like pattern, I guess you could say, um, on it. Uh, yeah, and it's just, it's just nice. More than just looking at it, putting it on has been such a fantastic experience for Caden. I found, uh, yeah, I found, found my perfect, my ideal uh, suit after, oh, maybe I think it was on and off a couple of months of searching um initially when i saw it, it was like oh you know that's you know that's fine that's really nice because i was ordering it online because this was during uh like hard lockdown uh in the uk at the time and i figured you know the returns process for this website's really good i'll order it see if it's nice you can only tell so much from a picture and of course you know all the models are like six foot four five percent body fat you know so uh, they will wear it very differently than me um, and I got it, and as soon as I tried it on, I'm going to remember that moment for the rest of my life, that pure, unadulterated gender euphoria from putting this suit on. You know, and I, I didn't know that, like, 
something as innocuous as clothing could make me feel like that. Yeah, yeah, I've worn it around the house um, a few times just to sort of see. Like after, like I had, um, I had top surgery um, just over six months ago, and like after surgery for a good kind of maybe like two and a half, three months. It varies, surgeon to surgeon. Um, you're not allowed to put your arms up above your head just so you don't kind of like stretch, uh, stretch your scars if you can help it. So I was, I was resigned to having to wear like button-up shirts. Or like really, really loose tank tops for ages. And then after the three month mark, when I could wear like t-shirts and like pullover jumpers and stuff again, I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to try on my suit to see how this, see how it fits. And you know, it still fit fine. I think I, I did, I did gain a little bit of lockdown weight and then kind of during sort of surgery recovery, but I was still wearing a binder. So that's an extra layer of clothing. I still felt good in it, but after surgery... It, you know that that just compounded the feeling like of happiness of wearing it because it's you know like i can feel the shirt just against my skin you know there's there's nothing else in the way it's just the clothes this is so powerful though the wedding provided the opportunity to get this suit it's doing so much more for caden than just making him look fabulous on that one day the suit is helping him navigate his own transition and feel affirmed in his body and not only that but it's giving him pleasure it just feels good Though there's anxiety attached to getting the suit, it seems ultimately to be allowing queer and trans people to feel joy in their bodies, in themselves. It's a joy that's spilling out, really way out of the confines of the wedding. We hope you'll join us for our next two episodes, which follow nicely on the suit, because they're about the complexities of the wedding gown for queer and feminist women. Redressing Weddings is produced by Ilya Parkins and Kenya Gutteridge. Editing is by Kenya Gutteridge. The podcast is supported by funding from the Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council of Canada. Our deep thanks go to all participants for sharing their stories.